eyes peeled, everyone. Welcome to Full 10 Yards Fantasy Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast. And week seven has already started. James, it was a uh, interesting matchup between the Giants and the Eagles last night. Some uh, some talking points, despite the fact it wasn't perhaps the uh, the most fantasy prevalent matchup we'll see this season. Now, I mean, there's say plenty of decent you know fantasy scores popped up. If you had Carson Wentz, you can't be unhappy with your day. If you plugged in Richard Rogers as your emergency tight end this week, you can't be too displeased. And Travis Fulgham wasn't a struggle, but um, yeah, if you you know, try picked up Deshaun Jackson with a bit of a, you know, dice throw, then uh, I'm afraid it's a double one roll again, please. Obviously, we've, we've joked about him on the podcast all season, how he's been on the out list for forever, and then he comes back for his one game, makes a nice play on the on the end around early on, but now looks set to potentially miss the rest of the season with ankle injuries. He's already on IR, and uh, we'll, we'll see to the extent. Is that his career over, James? Oh, careful what you say you will get people will get twitter back at us again but um I, I i wouldn't say it's career over but i would say it's fantasy relevance over i'll not i'll not say it's his you know it's the end of his career but i'll certainly say that that's the last time that you'll sort of actively think of him in fantasy eh? yeah it's, it's a struggle with somebody who has relied on his career for speed to then yeah. have all these soft tissue injuries and this this ankle injury that he's got now, it, it just like you say, he's going to have to adapt his game. He's going to have to look to do that Larry Fitzgerald move inside to try and alter his game slightly. But whether whether that will pay off for him remains to be seen. But um, yeah, all the best to Deshaun Jackson. And uh, if you are listening to Sean Jackson's mom, then uh, we we wish for a speedy recovery as soon as possible. Of course. Yeah, the biggest talking point of this game was Daniel Jones. He, he had a fair day in fantasy, 20.68 fantasy points. And uh, eight of those came on an 80-yard scramble. However, Daniel Jones, how was that not a 15.2-yard run? Go back and watch the highlights. This is one for the ages. You've probably seen it already because it is everywhere. He everywhere. is. He hasn't got a play within 10 yards of him. And you can see the, the commentators are already calling it. He's just, he's flailing around. Uh, James, you, you described it as uh, Benjamin Button off air as he was getting smaller. And Curious smaller. case of Daniel Jones. <laughs> where, yeah, he just, he started, he started the play out as a grown man and gradually regressed into a toddler before running, losing the ability to walk, falling forwards and then getting tagged well down on the ground before reaching his goal. It was, yeah, it was just funny. Yeah, and it's you've got to think in his head that he's thinking, right, I've got DBs that are faster than me chasing me. He's trying to, yeah, he was just trying to give it a bit of bit of wiggle, trying to trying to evade his defenders, not realizing that there was nobody within 10 yards. And yeah, he he fell to the floor. And yeah, he's, he's, it's not gonna be a fun one for him to look back. But like I say, following with a a nice, nice game there. What he didn't get a touchdown. It was Greg Ward that got the touchdown, someone that everyone was high on preseason. He uh, he had that one or two good weeks. Let us let us everybody down again. But then it was him that got the touchdown, and Boston Scott did a did a fair job of deputising for Miles Sanders uh, last night when he uh, he came into the game. It was quite down the ground. He only had twelve carries for forty six rushing yards, but he did manage the three receptions for forty six and a touchdown as well. And it was, it was quite a nice touchdown to be fair, over the shoulder yeah. into the into the end zone. N- nice play, and Carson Wentz he all of a sudden looks fantasy relevant again. And I'm not going to get too carried away because it's the Giants and the Giants aren't great, but uh, creeping up to, to 30 fantasy points, is he uh, now back into consideration to be to be streaming some weeks, James? I think he threatened it last week and he's kind of followed through on it. And he, I think gradually week on week, he's going to get more reinforcements back in the fold. Um, apolog- apologies, Dallas Goddard fans. That looks like it's going to be week 10. So anyone who followed my advice, 
Maybe it was a little premature, but I think he still is probably the best stash at the moment who's an IR due back soon. But Jalen Regal might be back soon. It looks, you know, hopefully Sanders will be back before too long. But he seems to have a bit of a fire lit under him. I think he's seen how bad the division is and has gone, okay, it's there for the taking. And then who knows? He just knows he has to step up. I mean, their their offensive line's been the trouble, mostly just because of it constantly going down hurt. But I think he's getting a few reinforcements back there as well. So the sign, you know, they have a bit of an upward trajectory going, which for that division, someone had to. Yeah, so I've seen that David Njoku might be linked to the to the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, he is dissatisfied with his role there in Cleveland since Austin Hooper is coming to the fray. But um, yeah, David Njoku, David Njoku to, to the Eagles, that would make it interesting. But I, I think that says to me that the Eagles think that Zach Ertz is completely done as well, as well as from what we can see from... Uh, from well, they were trying to trade him. Yeah, a lot of the reports say the Eagles were trying to trade Ertz before he got injured. When it, as soon as he went out, they realised that that was a bit of a you know problem and that really scuppered the back office's plans because they, they'd intended to trade Ertz. No idea who to, no idea what for. Um so with the way with the with the regression he was having, he was probably going to end up in a New York area, um, just for something I would imagine. But um, yeah, it's, it's going a bit odd. That offense does run well with two tight ends, and at the moment they pretty much just have Richard Rogers until Goddard gets back. So reinforcements would help, but. Um, isn't joking the answer? It feels like it would almost be like a short-term loan in the same way that in ice hockey, you'll get like rentals for people trying to win the uh, playoffs. You know, people who are just about to come to the end of their contracts, you just send a trade pick, have them for the, until the end of the season, and then contracts expires and they can go with free agency. But I don't think that's the case with Njoku. I could be wrong though. Um, but it feels like that's what the Eagles are wanting to try and do something along those lines. But I think the Ertz injuries kind of knocked a lot of their options out. So it'll be interesting to watch with trade deadline looming. So, but yeah, the Eagles are clearly active because they can see this division's theirs for the taking, really. And then when you reach the playoffs, then anything can happen. Yeah, of course. And they are going to get to play a game at home if they if they win the division. So Hopefully, we'll have fans back in the stands by then, and we know what the, the fans are like in Philadelphia. So, like I say, anything can happen. They get to they get to the wild card round. They, they get a, a home matchup against. It would be a good team that they get a, a, a home matchup against, but um, it would be a, a, a home matchup nonetheless. And like I say, anything can happen at that point. And if they scrape through that win there into the wild card and division, it's from there. So maybe they are looking in into win now mode, even though you'd have said two weeks ago that they had no chance with the with the way the things were going, but maybe, maybe. Now, I think the DAC injury almost changed them from eh, wild card at best to, okay, this should really be our division even with our injuries. So I think this, you know, I think this is, they've almost been gifted an opportunity they weren't expecting. Um, obviously in sad and rather unfortunate circumstances, but it's that you know it's there for the taking they still have enough of a roster but yeah 100%. we shall see i think uh, there's plenty of weeks to go yet yeah and um, we look we look at the giant side of the football and wayne gorman got the carries this week so Devontae freeman was seemingly a non-factor Wayne gorman got 10 carries for 34 yards and a touchdown uh, he also had five receptions for for 20 yards to really bump up his, his ppr relevance there so we've been thinking all along it's Devonta freeman and then all of a sudden, when Gorman comes out of nowhere to, to steal those carries right back off him. James, at this point, are you even rostering any Giants running backs? I still think Freeman's relevant most of the season. I just, it was a weird one with this one because I thought he would get more work than he did. So um, it's, it's a shame because he was going to be one of my style highs if he had a good game. But um, so far, that wasn't to be. Um, I don't really know where the Giants are going with everything at the moment it was I think when they brought in Freeman they were thinking that they were still going to be able to get some wins and you know at least challenge for something but it's just gradually gone further and further 
down the mire, really, to the point where you wonder whether they're trying to breathe through their longer-term backup and, you know, worry about Freeman later on down the line. I think it could, it could, there could be a switch coming. It'd be one to keep an eye on for the next few weeks. But, you know, I'd, I'd say Freeman still needs to be rostered, but whether you're playing him is really dependent on who you have on your roster, really. I think the only leagues I've got him in are the ones where my bench is much deeper than six, you know, eight, 10, 12 on the bench. So, yeah. And then the receiving game as well. So, Obviously, we've been hyping up Darius Slayton all season, but then Sterling Shepard and Golden State were back. They both caught touchdowns, and it was a it was an off day for Slayton by his standards. So, room to panic here because Evan Engram has not looked himself. Obviously, he's battled injuries throughout his career, but the games that he has played, he's flashed. But then he's, he's come in this season, and he's he's had a pretty steady runner with with playing time, and he, he's not looked great. So. Pass catches in in New York. Are, are we trusting any of those? I know Darius Slayton, of course, is going to be rosterable, but Slate, uh, sorry, Shepard's back. Are we are we now rushing to pick him up? Is he is he going to be somebody that we can plug and play for the rest of the season? I think we're back to where we were in week one when all yeah. three of them were around. And yeah, you know, we it was one of the story. Well, not one of the stories of the off season, but one of the things that you know we talked about during the draft season. And we're saying how Tate, Slayton, Shepard are all going to, you know, they all ended up in the double-digit rounds just because they were vulturing, you know, catches and everything off each other. And it's just an offense that's going to be hard to predict week to week. So it was like you you just pick the one that goes last because you're getting the best value. Um, Now that we're in the season, we've got to a point where two of them may have ended up on the waiver wire in some leagues. And and was the only one rostered because he was the only one who's yeah the dynamic shifts a bit but it's basically tempier expectations but they're all possible yeah it's a very difficult one to judge there but I think all should be rosterable because if one does go down then all of a sudden we know that the, the other two that are left are going to get a, a nice help, big healthy target share so that was Thursday Night Football nice to have Thursday Night Football back even though some people would argue that it should be gone forever and uh, yeah, a lot of people are saying they loved the, the Monday night doubleheader. For us UK fans, it was great to have football at 10pm because you could watch at least an hour or two of the of the first game before we headed into the Monday night game. But um, I do love Thursday night football and that may be an unpopular opinion. And I didn't stay up for it last night because I was in work for half past seven this morning. So um, yeah, I, I couldn't have been doing that. But I do just love... Even if, even though I normally only watch the first quarter, I do just love Thursday night football. So, so James, what are your thoughts for the for the NFL moving forward? Should they uh, move to the permanent double Monday header, or uh, is Thursday football here to stay? Um, to be honest, I'm a fan of the any games that are viewable in our earlier window. So, seeing ten o'clock games. You know, on Monday night is uh, I'm all in favour of personally. Um, Thursday night, it just gives you something to talk about going into the week. But obviously, you know, for fantasy purposes, it's a little bit of a nightmare sometimes um, with all the short weeks. But I think the more days that there there is football, the better. I mean, commercially for the NFL, the idea is that, you know, the more games that you have on national broadcast, the more money you're going to bring in, which means... In theory, the better the league can become. So, I'm not against the you know how it currently runs and adding a second Monday night game. You know, for say for us, if it's in the earlier window and you know we're getting a game between ten o'clock and you know half past midnight, then fantastic. Um, and yeah, I, I can see that working. To be honest, it's just um, the only the only thing to keep an eye on is you don't want to upset Scott Hansen with him, um, you know, the late window having two games and him, him saying you're going to see a lot of me in this this late slate window <laughs> with two games. There's going to be double commercial breaks an awful lot. So um, as long as they get the split right actually on Sunday in in red zone time, then yeah, I think I think I can I can live with it. Yeah, but then that does have implications on Western East Coast because there's so many studies and stats about yeah. how players can't play in the in the latest slot if they're an East Coast team and, and vice versa and all that kind of stuff. And with Monday night, we've got to think those games kick off at 2 p.m. on the West Coast. Like that's 
That's great. So people are still going to be at work on the West Coast when the, the first of the Monday night football games is happening. It's going to be 2pm in the afternoon on the West Coast, which obviously, like I say, is great for us UK fans. And maybe it's something they could do moving forward. Maybe they could put a couple of Jags games into that early Monday night slot to, to try and get the, the British, British crowd going. But um, I, I don't know. Anyway, we're going completely off topic here. This is uh, more for the uh, for the NFL yeah. podcast with uh, with Sean and the gang. So uh, we will try and get back to fantasy and we will look at the rest of the games for the weekend. So, James, who are you going to cast your fantasy spotlights on for this weekend first? So I'm going to go for a, a double B matchup, and that's the Browns and the Bengals um, to start off with. Um, and obviously... Quite recently, in terms of when we're recording, Jerry Mixon has just been ruled out of this contest. So that makes things very interesting. Um, I believe it is a foot injury that's knocked him out of contention that he may well have got during last week's game. So uh, load up Giovanni Bernard. I think it is acceptable just playing swap deal. I know people have been picking it up through the week when, you know, the did not practice kept appearing for Mixon, but I think Bernard can just go straight in at the moment. I know that running game hasn't been fantastic, but Bernard's been used in patches and without Mixon, yeah, I can see it being particularly worthwhile. I mean, yeah, the Browns run defense is very much in the middle of the end. So I don't see, you know, it as a negative or, you know, massively positive matchup. But with the way the running back landscape is in fantasy at the moment, I think if you hold Bernard, um, you're probably in a position where you're going to want to start him unless you obviously have, you know, three running backs much higher. But there's a few questionables going into the week and a lot of them with did not practice designations, and you know, around the league. So it could be that, you know, as an injury fill-in, Bernard could be an ideal solution. So, you know, keep an eye on your waiver wire. If you've got a slot, go grab. Um, Wide receiver-wise, good luck as always. Tyler Boyd, AJ Green, T Higgins, all there, all active. None of them injured at the moment, which is almost as much of a surprise as anything. Um, I'd still rather trust Tyler Boyd and T Higgins than AJ Green. I still think it's going to be patchy, but... Um, yeah, this is a matchup that actually kind of suits all of them. And if you have any of them, they are actually in play, even AJ Green, which I imagine will come back to haunt me on Monday's show. Um, but I do like T Higgins' touchdown upside this week, especially, to be honest. Joe Burrow, as a result of that, should have a decent game, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on his back a few times with Miles Garrett coming at him as a rookie. So uh, we shall see how that goes. Um and this isn't a game where you particularly want either defense. And honestly, the Browns, I think, actually maybe is a stream. So I shall move over to Cleveland. Because you say, when you've got Miles Garrett there against a rookie quarterback, you're probably going to see a few sacks and you're going to have a decent stream option. But I wouldn't be trusting them to be, you know, top five on the week. Um when it comes to more of the offensive side, Baker Mayfield is playing, but he's not 100%. He did get full practice in yesterday, so that's at least one worry out of the way. But uh, he's obviously playing slightly impaired, and while that signals, okay, the Bengals' defense is an option, that Bengals' defense has just been so poor, it's Mayfield might just get away with it. Jarvis Landry obviously came out last week saying, and that he's had your broken rib that he's having to deal with. So my expectations for him have been tempered for the whole of the season. And while that suggests that Odell Beckham should be particularly relevant, the thing that makes him a decent enough player this week is the fact that Austin Hooper's out at times. So David and Joku comes in, but if if history is anything, and Joku and the Browns hasn't really worked, and I don't see them starting now. Um, hence the trade room is still existing. So a lot of that offense is going to have to go through Kareem Hunt, provided he's available. Um, it's looking, he should be, let's be honest. But um, yeah, the, the, they've been having a few injuries. So let's put it that way. Um, I'm just trying to work out. It was a groin injury and he's been limited twice this week as Hunt. So keep an eye out. Um, if he misses, then Dearness Johnson gets a huge uptick. Uh, all those people who spent a lot of fab on Dearness Johnson, this is a matchup where if you are desperate, 
you can plug him in and hope for the best. But um, as it's very much last resort territory. If if you if they've been dro- if he's been dropped anywhere and you really are desperate, it's an option just purely based on who's left. Uh, and the only other little thing to note here as well, which you know it may have some slight bearing, is that um, one of the you know even though the Browns have got a decent offensive line, I think one of their best pieces has been uh, Wyatt Teller. And I believe he's not going to be playing either. Um, I may have to double check because I don't know when he actually got knocked out, but I know he'd been one of the highest rated um, offensive linemen this year, but I can't remember when he dropped out, but he's had two do not practices this week, which makes me think that he's got missing. Okay. And I will head over to my first, and I'm going to look at the game that has been flexed into Sunday night football. And that is the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Phoenix to take on the Arizona Cardinals. And as a 49ers fan, this one fills me with confidence because it means that a team in the NFC West is going to get a loss or a tie, or both teams are going to get a tie, which is even better for a 49ers fan. But yeah, this is going to be a really interesting game. I think it has been the most relevant Seahawks-Cardinals game that we've seen for for quite some time. And I'm I'm glad they flexed it in because I, I do think this is going to be a really enjoyable one to watch. And we've got Russell Wilson, who has already thrown 19 touchdowns in five games. He is on pace to throw over 60, which would smash Peyton Manning's 2013 record of 55. It is a slightly more difficult matchup against the Cardinals this week. They've given up the 28th most points to fantasy quarterbacks this year, which is 15.1. But it's one of those where an unstoppable force is going to meet an immovable object. And it's going to average out a little bit. Russell's certainly not going to be... He's not, he's not going to be a 40-point quarterback this week, but he's certainly not going to be restricted to 15.1. So I'd, I'd expect mid-20s again there for, for Mr. Invincible. No, Unlimited. Mr. Unlimited. How could we forget? And then we look at Chris Carson, who has seen a bit of a weird one in his fantasy season so far. So he started out through the air very heavily. He got three rushing, uh, three receiving touchdowns in the first three weeks of the season. And in the last three weeks of the season, he's had the three rushing touchdowns as well. So a complete turnaround there for Chris Carson. But I suppose it just goes to show that he does do it all. And while Rashard Penny's out, Chris Carson is, is uh, sorry, Carlos Hyde is battling with injury. He is questionable headed into this matchup. Carson is the sole beneficiary of the work there. And with, with Russell playing as well as he is, the Cardinals are going to be investing their defense into stopping Russ. So Chris Carson should have a little bit of room for maneuver here. In a pretty average matchup, the Cards have conceded the 14th most fantasy points to, to running backs this year. 18.1 points, which Carson's going to get the majority of. So he is a start in this one. And then we look at the wide receivers. We've got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And incredibly, the Seahawks are going out and saying that they're interested in Antonio Brown, who returns from suspension very, very soon, which I think is absolutely wild. They have got arguably the best wide receiver duo in the league right now with the best quarterback. And you're going to go and get somebody who is going to bring nothing but negativity to the dressing room he's clearly not fitted into to any locker room that he's been in over the last few years obviously Antonio Brown Brown has been the best wide receiver in the league at, at points very recently but he has been out of the game now for a while and I think it would be very difficult for him and Seattle to work and it, they took a punt on Josh Gordon as well last year so it just seems that for some reason, they are not happy with this DK Lockett duo, with David Moore being the third wide receiver there. And they seem intent on bringing one of these elites, but so many other re- so many other issues off the field receivers into the room. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't see it myself. Obviously, that's not going to have any impact on, on this game because Antonio Brown is, is not Seahawk and he is still suspended. But does that say to you, James, that they've got doubts over... Metcalf and Lockett or is it just publicity or what's going on here with with Antonio I think there's a few things in play I think they want it's like I would love to say that they're bringing Antonio Brown in as a mentor for DK Metcalf but Antonio (laughs) Brown is not the guy I would choose as a mentor let's be honest here uh, but um, I think there there maybe is an element of wanting an extra distraction because if you get if you're getting him at an effective minimum, 
and you're effectively stopping him from going to any other rival team. And while you're not going to be flooding in with targets, you're probably the one, the Seahawks, I think, are one of the few teams that, you know, showed an interest in, in preseason before all the, you know, the suspensions and everything else got handed down. And I think, you know, I think the Seahawks have almost tried to play clever and try and get him on side so that he'd want to go there on the cheap. And then if he doesn't get, you know, loads of work because the other two are getting it, basically... Um, he won't throw a hissy fit and run off because, well, they were the ones who gave him the chance. And a team with Antonio Brown wide receiver three and Russell Wilson at quarterback is quite frankly frightening. And I think the Seahawks know it. It's like, who needs a defense? So, you know, you might as well, you know, it doesn't matter if you're going to score 50 on our defense because we're going to score 60. Yeah. So I think they're very much playing that game. Yeah, it's it's a strange one. And and Antonio Brown, is he going to go there to get a ring? Is he going to do something that Le'Veon Bell's just done? Obviously, Le'Veon Bell's gone to Kansas City, not for the money because the Chiefs can't afford to, quite frankly, with the contract they've just given to Patrick Mahomes. But... Is he going to go to Seattle just to get his chance to get a ring? Because he has been so good throughout his career. And imagine how funny it would be to watch a uh, Seattle-Kansas City Super Bowl with Bell and Brown going uh, toe-to-toe for a for, <laughs> for a Super Bowl with uh, the Steelers crew sat at home. That would be that would be quite something. Um, so that is certainly one to watch out for. But DK and Lockett, going back to this game against the Cardinals, it is the worst possible matchup for them this week. Uh, cards are conceding the least fantasy points to wide receivers. But again, they are elite wide receivers with an elite quarterback thrown to them. So I think having a difficult matchup takes them down from wide receiver one and wide receiver two to wide receiver two, uh, wide receiver two and wide receiver three. They are both still playable this week. Tight end in Seattle, I am not touching with a barge pole. Uh, I don't know who's going to get the touchdown. I don't know who's going to get the targets. It is an absolute minefield. It is worse than a fully healthy New England backfield. So I am steering clear. And then we flip over to the other side of the ball where we have got Kyler Murray, who is currently the quarterback one going up against the defense that concedes the second most points to the fantasy quarterback with 25.7. So Kyler is going to go off. And we- I don't think people are talking about his rushing game enough this year. Like obviously, because we've had Lamar Jackson last year, who set all kinds of records in the rushing department, Kyler has had these. This, these are his rushing stat lines for the first five games of the season. Eight carries, six, 67 yards, two touchdowns. Five carries, 29 yards, one touchdown. Six carries, 78, none. Nine, 31 yards and a touch, and then 10 carries for 74 yards and a touchdown. So he has had either 78 yards or a touchdown in every single game on the ground this year. And now that kind of floor for a quarterback is insane, considering the fact that he's then got Christian Kirk, he's got DeAndre Hopkins to to throw to as well, like Kyler Murray, I am all over the season and against this Seahawks secondary this defense this is going to be a shootout and he is going to score 35 fantasy points at least this week it's going to be a great game for him uh Kenyon Drake we'd all but given up on him before last week and then he comes out against the Cowboys last week 20 carries 164 rushing yards and two touchdowns uh Rob I am yeah, very disappointed that you're not here on the podcast right now to hear me talk about this uh, because obviously you've been off the train and I've, I've been firmly with you. I've been uh, a firm anti-Kenyan Drake. So is it is it is this season turning around? Is, are we are we going to see? Because I, I I put Chase Edmonds in the, well, you put him in the, the waiver column and I put uh, Kenyan Drake in the, in the trade away column last week, James. And Kenyan Drake has, has come up with this game. Are we are we not believing him in again or, or is it just a a one flute game where we can we can pretty much forget about it and he's going to go back to his usual self i suppose you've got to bear in mind that when most teams would have been preparing to take a knee he then went you know full ham three quarters of the field to the end zone to really pad out his stats last week against dallas mm. and as to as matchups go that was juicy and they were leading so they were going to lean on him more um, the one thing it has done is probably, you know, really, you know, the, the team's faith in him is now back compared to where it was. 
and they've sort of seen what he can do. But this is this could just end up being one of those games where it's Hopkins all the way with a bit of Kirk sprinkled in and Kyler doing most of the running. Um, I'm not high on Drake this week purely because this feels like, you know, you, you score, we score, you score, we score. And those kind of games don't suit Drake, in my opinion. So Edmund, Edmonds might well get a touchdown, you know, with a you know, little bit more of a crafty play. And I think Edmonds is much more suited to, you know, those kind of outside runs or, you know, more pass catching than anything. So rest of season, it's interesting. It's one of those where Drake, I'd say that, you know, I still stand by trading away Drake at the moment while he has some value, but what you're getting back, you probably have to, you're probably going to be rejecting a lot more trades than you would have done before, shall we say. I think, you know, you've got to bear that in mind. He does still have relevance, but there are still plenty of players I'd want over him right now. Yeah, and in the wide receiver room here, we've, we've got DeAndre Hopkins, who I've actually flagged up on the injury report this week. He is battling a ankle injury. He is questionable for this one, uh, but he did return to practice today, which is a good sign for DeAndre Hopkins' owners. Although he's only had two touchdowns on the year, which surprised me a little bit. He's uh, obviously a tremendous player, one of the best wide receivers that we've got in the game right now with Kyler Murray throwing to him. But uh, touchdowns seem to have evaded his game a little bit so far. And Kirk, we saw another player who, who got two touchdowns against Dallas last week. I am firing him up as well because this Seahawks secondary is porous and those targets have got to go somewhere. And in the tight end position, Seahawks have been pretty good against the tight end so far this year. And what, Dan Arnold? No, thanks. No, Arizona. Dan Arnold Daniels at the moment. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like Just players that we hadn't even heard of at the start of the season. So no tight ends in this game. But everyone else pretty much... Yeah, pretty much roll because I am really looking forward to this one. Put my uh, biases against the teams aside. Yeah, that will be a really fun one to watch. So, James, we scoot back to you. Who have you got as your second spotlight for this weekend? Well, it's funny how earlier you mentioned the Seattle tight end room is a bit like a fully fit wide receiver. uh, Sorry, running back room in New England. That's where I'm going. So New England are home to the 49ers, or your 49ers, shall we say. And I might as well start with the New England running room since I've mentioned it. Um, Sonny Michel obviously ruled out already, has been for a little while now. Damian Harris and Rex Burkhead, you actually can almost trust using them. Although, (laughs) bear in mind, San Francisco are second against running backs, and it's tough sledding in general. And when Cam Newton is your quarterback, He's probably the one doing most of the running, especially at the goal line. So Cam's probably a decent enough player this week. Now he's got over all the COVID issues and he's now, you know, starting to get back fed into the field. But one stat that's, you know, kind of alarming when it comes to the Patriots, Cam is 21st on the season in quarterbacks. Um, This is on the ESPN scoring that I've got up at the moment, which I think is on half PPR. I could be wrong. But... Um, Cam is 21st, obviously bear in mind there's a bye week in here, but no offensive skill player, so running backs or wide receivers or tight ends, are in the top 30 of their position. The highest is actually Burkhead at 33. After that, you're you're basically at 50 for Edelman. And he's questionable this week as well. And just has not, apart from that huge game he had early in the season, just has not looked right. And just, you know, I mean, the whole offense hasn't looked right, let's be honest here. So it's very much uh, Cam Newton is maybe the only player I'd want to play on the Patriots apart from their defense, which is ranked fifth so far. And Jimmy Garoppolo's first trip back to New England since the trade. Um, It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Obviously, you know, getting pulled on his game on his you know return game from injury wasn't fantastic and I think a few fancy owners still have their doubts but I'd say that if you have better options I wouldn't be playing him but if you I imagine if you have Garoppolo in your roster you are probably in a super flex league and you probably need him to be your two moving on to the 49ers yeah the Patriots have been sixth against quarterback so that's uh 
thing to be wary of. Running back room is going to be interesting. Meister's obviously been ruled out and is probably going to go on IR. Still hasn't been made official yet, but he's going to be missing for a few weeks. Uh, Tevin Coleman still isn't back, but obviously I mentioned in the hype train that he's due back soon. And since the hype train was written, most of it was ruled out a bit longer term than I was expecting. So that becomes a very much more interesting pickup in some leagues. Uh, but that leaves the question of Jarek McKinnon, Jermichael Hasty, and Jeff Wilson. So McKinnon is going to pick up the slack as he did before when it comes to when most of it's out. So he will get a bit more in the passing game again and hopefully we'll be able to, you know, do what he did, you know, a few weeks for those few weeks while Mostert was out. Wilson is questionable, but has had two limited practices so far this week. So should come back into the fold. But last week while he was out, Jermichael Hasty got a chance. And after most of it went down, Hasty was the guy. He seemed to be the one with some jump and some energy. And now that they've seen what you can do, it's still murky in that backfield. And I can't actually say I'm comfortable with either Hasty or Wilson in the lineup because you, you, it's kind of a bit of a toss-up. You, you've just got to be in um, Shanahan's head, basically. So, oh, 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 good luck. Am I getting from this that you're more confident about a New England backfield than a San Francisco 49ers backfield? Um, well, after McKinnon, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, that that's more on a basis of I wouldn't like to, I, McKinnon is the only running back I'd like to be playing in this matchup. But after McKinnon, there was a cut line for people who I would feel comfortable playing. <laughs> okay. So, but that's just me. I think um, I think a lot of waiver wires, you know, will testify to that. It's just with how bad the running back position is. I know there are going to be some listeners out there who are weighing up. Do I pick up and play Hasty? Do I pick up and play Wilson? And if I had to pick one or the other, I'd be picking Hasty right now just because of what he flashed last week and because he's had full practice all week. And, you know, he is the most most like of the three. So, but, you know, McKinnon, I think, is a... You can lock him in with the way that the season's gone. Wide receiver-wise, Debo and Ayuk are still there and still happy. Um Samuel seems to be building up a bit of a head of steam after missing the opening weeks. So I'm hoping he can continue that kind of run at the moment. And Ayuk seems to keep finding himself in good positions and getting chances in running and pass games. So it's one of those where you probably, you know, got them on your bench in a lot of leagues and they are options. Um, probably going to be options for a lot of teams. Um, I can't, it's, I can't say that I feel confident that either of them are going to break, you know, have a bit of a boom game, but they're probably both reasonably safe floors. And then George Kittle, I don't think any advice is really necessary. He's not injured. You play him. Yeah, George Kittle, cannot wait to see him and what he's been doing so far this season. It's a tough one. I can't call this one. We are three and three. Uh, Patriots are two and three. And on ESPN, we are 49.3% favourites to, to win this tie. So it is super close, this one. And not many other people can call it either. And I think this game will really dictate the, the rest of the seasons for, for either of these two teams. Like, it can uh, draw New England uh, 500 or it can, it, can, it can pull San Francisco forward. San Francisco, we're going to have to win a lot of games to get to the playoffs in that NFC. That is tough this year, especially in the NFC West. They're not going to win the division, so they're going to have to battle for one of those wildcard spots. And, of course, New England can still catch Buffalo. It's still, it's still two or three, but Miami are, Miami are there or thereabouts. They're, uh, they're not giving up easily. They're still uh, in, the, in the discussion. Would, James, if I'd have said to you five years ago that Garoppolo was going to go to San Francisco and on his return to Foxborough, Tom Brady would still be in the league, but the game would not be against him. It wouldn't be the, the master versus the apprentice. Would you have believed me? Uh, probably not. But then again, I think even five years ago, I'd have said, nah, Brady will have retired at that point. If well, you'd have yeah. said to me that he would be facing... If you'd have said to me that he, he would be on his return to New England, he would be facing Cam Newton at quarterback, I would genuinely have laughed you off the floor. <laughs> um, and it, I still find it weird even now, to be honest. But um, let's say it, it's one of those I, I, I'm flirting with the idea of playing the Niners in my survivor league because 
say we've got a survival league going where you effectively through the season you've got to pick two teams a week and you, by the end of the season you have to have used all 32 teams and it's basically the most correct wins i mean it's a little more complex than that but um effectively you've got to at least pick every one of the teams at least once and i'm thinking of burning my niners one this week just because of the way the rest of the season runs um i just feel like that the patriots the patriot strength is still in their running game and not in their passing game with cam there and the Niners' strength is defending the run at the moment and it's you know i i just there's just something at the moment that makes me think the niners have got this but obviously, public opinion is very 50-50, so it'll be interesting. Well, I, I, I certainly hope so. And finally, we turn our attentions to the other primetime game, and I am going to look at the Chicago Bears travelling to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. And now we've just spoken about the, the win percentages in the, the 49ers game, but this one, the Rams, who are 4-2, and two, they've got the worse record than the 5-1 the and one Chicago Bears, are 70% favourites to win this one, which I genuinely cannot believe because the Chicago Bears this season, they have not been spectacular, but they have just found the way to win. And yeah, I'm, I'm shocked by that one. So judging by judging by that win percentage, I'm going to be having a look at some bets this weekend to, to bet on the Bears to win because that is incredible. But... I think this is going to be one for the purists. This is going to be a lovely defensive slog. And I think both defences are probably going to be the starts of the games on both sides of the ball here. We've got um, Darrell Henderson with his hand and Tyler Higby with his thigh, both flagging up on the injury report as questionable for this one. Neither practised yesterday, Thursday, so their statuses will be interesting to go into the weekend. Of course, if Higby doesn't go, then you fire up Everett as a direct replacement there. It's a, it's a fair matchup against the Chicago Bears, so we go there. And with Henderson, if he doesn't go, Acres or Brown, I'm going to lean towards Brown because he's the one that we've seen get the, the majority of the carries uh, so far this season. So, yeah, I'm going to roll with Malcolm Brown if Darrell Henderson goes. However, if he does go... It is a really difficult one. And in what isn't a particularly great matchup, I'd probably lean to starting no Los Angeles Rams running backs. Jared Goff, he couldn't have a worse matchup than this. The Bears are giving up 12.5 fantasy points to, to the quarterback per game at the moment. So I am absolutely not starting Jared Goff this week, which then does make me look at the wide receivers as well. Um, Robert Woods has had a tremendous start to the season so far. He's a flex play. He he has the odds carry in the game at the moment. He um, he does like to do that. And he of the two of him and Cooper Cup, he is the one that I am starting. Cup, I am sorry, I am not starting you this week. And on the Bears, Foles, again, it's not a great matchup for him. Uh, the Rams are only giving up 18.4 points and Foles has not exactly been prolific in point scoring himself. So I am sitting Nick Foles. David Montgomery, purely on a volume base, I am giving him a start. It, again, it's not a fantastic matchup for him, but based purely on the fact that um, Nick Foles is going to want to be getting the ball out of his hands with Aaron Donald chasing him down, I think it is going to be a volume-based play for, for David Montgomery this week, as it is most weeks. And Alan Robinson, he is a target monster. He is getting targeted all over the show. Seemingly, every one of Nick Foles' targets is going at Alan Robinson at the moment. So even though it's not a particularly great matchup, even though he's going to have Jalen Ramsey on him, I'm still starting Alan Robinson again from a volume-based perspective because all it takes is for, is for one longish play to, to, to make or break a, a fantasy week at the wide receiver position. But... Jimmy Graham, I said the defences were the start of the week. I'll take that back. Jimmy Graham is going to be my start of the week because in this world of tight ends where unless you've got George Kittle or Travis Kelsey, maybe Mark Andrews, but he has his down weeks as well, it is really difficult to predict. Jimmy Graham, I believe, is a tight end seven on the season so far, and it is a fair enough matchup for him. And the Los Angeles linebackers are pretty terrible. So, yeah. 
Jimmy Graham, I know it was Cole Komet that got the touchdown last week, and I did mention him in my trade article earlier in the week as a playoff stash because I believe that he is going to get more and more of those tight end targets, and if he can build up a rapport when it falls, then he's going to be useful in his favourable matchups in the playoffs. But for this week, we are still going to roll with Jimmy Graham in what is a horrendous tight end year, and Jimmy Graham is going to get 50 yards and a touchdown in this one. Take it to the bank. Five five receptions, 50 yards and a touch. So what's that? 10, 16 fantasy points for Jimmy Graham. Bold prediction. Ah, who'd have said that uh, 10 years ago, Jimmy Graham getting 16 fantasy points would be a bold prediction? Certainly not me. Any uh, any pointers in that one, James? Or uh, is it is that a pretty standard roundup? Um, no, I think that's pretty standard. Uh, you were mentioning about, you know, looking into some of the bets and I don't know if the betting podcast will bring this up or not, but... Um, Chicago Bears to win by by between one and six is nine to two. I fancy that somehow. Yeah, because nice. the Bears will win, could win, but not by much. So that's just a bit of a bit of my my play on that. But no, I think um, the Jimmy Graham thing is actually quite reasonable at the moment. It's it's that it's hard to think, but with the way the landscape is at the moment, he has found himself in in relevance land. And, you know, we were joking preseason about the Bears having 8,000 tight ends and would it ever work? And, you know, you've got rookies and then you bring in Jimmy Graham as well. And then it, look how it's turned out. I mean, Jimmy Graham is almost the difference at the moment. Probably one of the reasons they are so high. I mean, obviously it's the defense mostly, but Graham is that output on offense that they've needed in this scenario with, with whichever quarterback they've got in. And... He, he's at least getting it done. So um, we shall see. Exactly. And then we take a final look at the other notes in the league. So we've already mentioned that Mixon is out and to fire up Gia Bernard. Uh, Aaron Jones has not been at practice today. He is not on the injury report. We don't know why. It could be illness. We, we, we just aren't sure at this point. So Aaron Jones was not at practice today. So it could be that COVID has struck the Green Bay Packers and that their game is in jeopardy this week. It could be personal reasons at this stage. We do not know. So that is certainly one to monitor. And then we're going to have to be looking at Williams and Dylan if, uh, if he does miss any time. Sam Donald is set to return to the New York Jets starting lineup this week. Uh, I don't think that has any fantasy impact because Jameson Crowder is still going to get his, his nice safe floor, regardless of who the quarterback is. And you're not starting Flacco or Donald as whoever is under center. Uh, Antonio Gondi Golden is out. He's not had the start of the season that we thought he might have done compared to some of the other rookie wide receivers that we've seen in this class so far. Uh, Curtis Samuel is questionable for his game and Dawson Knox has already been ruled out. So they are just some of the previews, but we'll find more in the injury article, which I am writing again this week. So Rob, still on paternal duties, I will be heading up the injury article, which you'll be able to find on our Twitter over the weekend. Of course, you'll be able to find the rankings, the starts, the sits, the DFS content. So head over to at F10Y Fantasy for that. And make sure you head over to the Full 10 Yards main Twitter page at Full 10 Yards because today we have, yeah, we've, we've got some prizes on offer for the for the food bank and the, the obviously I don't want to get into politics too much, but with everything that's going on at the moment with the, the free school meals for, for children over the half term, uh, we have, we've got a, a fair share set up. So make sure you check that out and donate anything that you can to that, to that great, great cause. And there are some prizes up for grabs there as well. So like we've said on the full page, uh, we are primarily an American football account, but at the full 10 yards, we are all about the community. And that's shown with the, the Brit ball stuff that, that we're trying to do, trying to, trying to get people through the coaching courses and stuff like that. But also when we do identify stuff like this is, we, we cannot stay silent. We've got to, to help and chip in and get everything that we can because no child in the world, let alone this country, deserves to go hungry. So please, please, please head over to check that out. James, anything to add? Where can we find your Twitter, et cetera, et cetera? As always, look out for me at NFL Hype Train. Um, say just one of the, well, two of the little injury news things I want to pick up on. Michael Thomas doesn't look like he's going to play. And Aaron Jones, it was a mild hamstring strain, I believe. So, no. um, so I saw, mild, mild calf strain. 
so he's now a game time decision. Ah. Mild, mild car strain. So Aaron Jones is a game time decision now. And Michael Thomas is almost certainly out. So temper your expectations for the Saints and uh, Aaron Jones owners uh, be ready for a last minute changeover if he doesn't make it, which is a shame because he was probably the running back start of the week um, against Houston, let's be honest. So uh, if you have Jamal Williams, I'd seriously be thinking about it. And if he's on the waivers, I'd be seriously thinking about picking him up right now. Uh, But other than that, um, uh, if I find any other little bits of information out, um, I'll try and tweet something out on the hype train. Uh, otherwise, toot toot. Toot toot, indeed. So you're telling me that Alvin Kamara, the current running back one in fantasy football, is playing the defence that before uh, before last weekend was giving the most points to running backs, who is now... <laughs> Got a quarterback who can't throw the ball more than 20 yards, whose favourite wide receiver is still out. Alvin Kamara sounds to me like he's going to score 50 points. So a five-point game incoming for Alvin Kamara this week. You have been watched. That's 2020. <laughs> that is 2020 indeed. So I have been David Davenport. You can find me on Twitter at Dav underscore F10Y. Head over. Oh, that's what I wanted to ask you, James. Start and oh, give him tonight will feature Ezekiel Elliott. So, Zach Martin has already been ruled out of this one. They're playing a Washington football team who are really good against the run. He had the fumbling problems last week, so we saw Tony Pollard take over some of the carries. Are you considering sitting Zeke Elliott this week? That is my bold question. If I have him, I doubt it. Just purely because I don't think I'll have a running back or score better, even if he has a duff week, but the expectations are maybe a little tempered, but it won't be the everything's on fire, but I'm fine emoji. It'll be <laughs> very much a sort of, it'll be very much be like a little child going, do I have to? And, and the mum going, yes, yes, you do. It'll be that kind of a gif, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So make sure you head over to Twitter at FTM Fantasy for start and sit and gif him where you can get involved with the Ezekiel Elliott debate because... Yeah, who'd have thought we'd be saying that in week seven of 2020? Well, the way 2020 started, who knows? Anyway, let's get out of here. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you on Monday. You've been listening to the full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast you can find us on Twitter at F10Y Fantasy and over on our website, www.full10yards.com, where we cater to all of your American football needs from NFL General, fantasy football, college football, and even Britball. Thanks for listening, and remember, folks, keep those eyes peeled. Yeah.